This episode of Radio Techers is brought to you in part by Trip Surfer Vacations. Travel is opening up again, and we know you're ready to go. Trip Surfer Vacations has great all-inclusive packages for your next beach vacation and all the info you need to know about your next trip. So whether you're headed to the Cancun, Cozumel, Cabo, or the Caribbean, Trip Surfer Vacations has you guys covered. We even have partnerships for European adventures as well. So we know you're ready to go. Visit TripSurferVacations.com and let them know that Radio Techers sent you. Y'all have fun out there. This episode of Radio Techers is brought to you in part by Trip Surfer Vacations. Travel is opening up again, and we know you're ready to go. Trip Surfer Vacations has great all-inclusive packages for your next beach vacation and all the info you need to know about your next trip. So whether you're headed to the Cancun, Cozumel, Cabo, or the Caribbean, Trip Surfer Vacations has you guys covered. We even have partnerships for European adventures as well. So we know you're ready to go. Visit TripSurferVacations.com and let them know that Radio Techers sent you. Y'all have fun out there. This episode of Headlock Talk is brought to you by... Austin-based company Naturally Hemp's and their new line of CBD gummies. These gummies are made with 100% baked-in, pharmaceutical-grade, non-isolate-based CBD. What we're talking about here is the entourage effect. The entourage effect refers to the stronger effect you get when combining multiple cannabinoids together as opposed to just CBD. Full-spectrum CBD or CBD distillate tends to be more potent and last longer, which is what we're talking about here. Unlike some other brands that use a spray-on CBD, Naturally Hemp CBD distillate is baked in so you know you're getting the full dose with each gummy. I personally use them for all kinds of things like sleep aid or muscle pain. And did I mention they taste great? They got five flavors, uh, strawberry, green apple, lemon lime, watermelon, and get this, the orange flavor has vitamin C in it. So if this sounds like something you could go for, head over to your nearest Creative Sig vape shop and pick yours up today to see for yourself the difference Naturally Hemp's gummies can make in your life. On this week's episode of Headlock Talk, I am joined by my good friends JPQ and JD from Red Leaf Retrocast as we discuss the very fun, often entertaining, and mysterious world of Joshi Wrestling. Alrighty, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Headlock Talk Presents Wrestling Lore. I am, of course, the Texas Gentleman, Tanner Pruitt. And uh, today, today I'm going to get schooled. I'm going to get schooled hard on this subject. Because I'm not going to lie, I, I've, I've been a pro wrestling fan for about 25 years. I've seen a lot. I, I, I've experienced a lot of different matches. I've watched in a lot of different countries. What I can't say is that I'm an expert on this next subject, but fortunately enough, we have two of the premier experts in all of uh, the world uh, coming to you today to present uh, this episode and and to help school me through 
what is Joshi Wrestling, really. It's, it's been exploding for years. I'm so pleased that I have our two special guests. Of course, guest number one, you know him from the Red Leaf Retrocast. Uh, it is JD. JD, how are you doing today? Oh, it's great. I'm so happy you invited me or allowed me to be a part of this. As you know, uh, if you've listened to uh, my podcast or the Patreon, we cover an incredible amount of Joshi wrestling history and, mm. and the modern stuff as well. So I'm very happy to be here. Well, I'm, I'm so excited that you're here because when, when our next guest told me, he was like, hey, let's get him in. I was like, absolutely. Let's, let's talk about it. And uh, speaking of said next guest, uh, you know him from uh, uh, his own uh, podcast streams. He's also recently retired, uh, but, but I'm bringing him back here. Uh, uh, the world's number one Swansea City fan, as well as uh, you know, uh, pro- probably the, the the guy that really introduced me into Joshi wrestling, uh, none other than Big Paws on the Pup, JPQ. How are you doing this morning? Good man, appreciate it. Good morning to you. Good morning to JD. And uh, yeah, happy to be here. Happy to do a little Joshi primer for Headlock Talk. I mean, it's been a minute since you and I have chatted uh, outside of. Uh, the beautiful game. So happy to jump back into the wrestling side of things and happy that we're doing it on my favorite type of wrestling, which is Joshi wrestling. So, so gentlemen, let's, let's start there for those uninitiated. Uh, what is Joshi wrestling? What, what does Joshi wrestling mean to you? Uh, and, and JPQ, we'll, we'll start with you and then we'll, we'll go to JD. Yeah. I, I, where it starts with me first is, um, the consistency within the rosters of the technical prowess um, of each wrestler. So, you know, it's something where whether you're dealing with someone who's in, who's a teenager or somebody who's, you know, closer to um, their third decade in, in professional wrestling, the fundamentals are the key to, um, to, to every wrestler that wrestles this kind of style. And the styles are, they marry, right? It's not just high speed. It's not just powerful, stiff shots, right? It's a blend. And really what it is to me at the end of the day is a commitment to the fundamentals, a commitment to storytelling both inside and outside the ring, and a professionalism um, of taking care of the opponent across from you um, and making them look good. And so I don't think that's better represented than in Joshi. And I think the core values and the core fundamentals are something that depending on who you're watching, when you're watching, where you're watching is consistent from one wrestler to the other. I mean, wow, that's a <laughs> a pretty big explanation for sure. And I, I think I, I like how you elaborated on like the aesthetics of, of Joshi, Joshi wrestling specifically, because I think that's a lot of why you see, you know, uh, WWE bring in, stars from stardom for example and we'll get to stardom here very shortly i'm sure and but but also aew bring in a lot of joshi talent because of that aesthetic right like that it's that style um where it not only blends but it's also about hey you gotta take care of the other person make the other person look good it's it's give and take it's a 50 50 kind of thing yeah you Um, do see that with uh like the eos and Soraya, she begins her journey, and and Kyrie when she was there, and Asuka, is their style is very unique to them, but they're able to work mm-hmm. with everybody else's styles, right? Mm-hmm. And where it may not always jive a hundred percent, you can get through it uh, more times than not. So uh, mm-hmm. again, that just speaks to how much they wrestle, um, how much they're willing to to work with the people across from them, and then you know how they can blend their style with 
a multitude of different styles. Cool, cool. Uh, JD, kind of along the same question here, uh, but I'm going to add a little bit of extra chutzpah here. <clears throat> so, when, all right, let's <laughs> bring on the yeah. vocabulary. Okay. <laughs> uh, so when uh, when you think of stardom, I mean, obviously, I, w- I want to know kind of what's what not just stardom, but like when we think about Joshi wrestling, I mean, what does that mean to you? And I guess to help again those newly initiated or those trying to seek out or find Joshi wrestling. I, I guess where what, what what companies are there that people should be like weighing up upon consideration? Well, one thing to take into consideration is uh, what what kind of presentation and style of wrestling appeals to you the most, and that's how I approach a lot of these companies uh, when you first dive into them, uh, and also ease of access. I think that's very important, and the two companies that immediately come to mind are Stardom and Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling. You can easily find Stardom via Stardom World has a streaming service. If you they do uh, ha, they have adopted a pay per view model over the last year or so, uh, but if you want to conserve your money, then all you have to do is wait a few days and you get that pay per view for free, uh, just included into their streaming service, which is very affordable. Uh, depending where you live, it's going to be about ten dollars or less a month in United States dollars. And then Tokyo Joshi Pro is available via Wrestle Universe. Uh, much more character-based, driven promotion, which has an increase in ability in their in-ring. Uh, so for many years, this promotion was very much behind on the in-ring skill compared to a lot of other companies, where they made up for a lot of that in their storytelling and in-ring characters. Uh, but on Wrestle Universe, also about 10 bucks a month, and you get included with that DDT and uh, now the aforementioned Noah, which is very popular among a lot of Puro wrestling fans, uh, at least in the West. So these two companies immediately stand out as the e- uh, easiest to access. And if you're more into, say, a New Japan style, Stardom is mm. probably going to be closer to you. If you're more into a a wacky, you still get the in-ring. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I did bury this promotion for a number of years because its in-ring wasn't uh, as good as some other Joshi promotions. But over uh-huh. the last, I would say, 18 months, I'd say they're just as good as a lot of other promotions out there in that. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you're into a more character-based story promotion... Uh, you know, maybe maybe that appeals more to a lot of Western fans since since uh, that's kind of their their uh, storytelling. Uh, hmm. Tokyo Joshi Pro is worth worth checking out. Sweet. Uh, I mean, that's that's a really good place to start. So we've got two promotions right here on the table that, that we know about so far. We've got Stardom, of course, and we've got Tokyo Joshi Pro. Uh, JD, I'm going to stay with you for for a second more here. Again, it sounds like you were. I think a lot of people know about Stardom. Tokyo Joshi Pro might be a little bit. I mean, that's that's new to me. I, I, I've heard of it, but I haven't checked out anything. So, talk to me a little bit about Tokyo Joshi Pro and maybe what's different, what what differentiates it from Stardom. Sure. So Tokyo Joshi Pro, it's like I said before. It's it's very much character based promotion. Much okay. more st- story driven, uh, and they have uh, they've started a lot of English commentary as well. Stardom's just started diving into that a little bit uh, recently. Mm-hmm. So if you want their English uh, commentary, you'll have to probably buy the pay per views. But for TJPW, they got guys like Chris Brooks and some of the guys from NOAA and MMA backgrounds, uh, hilarious, hilariously calling <laughs> a Tokyo Joshi Pro match where it's a lot of just wacky, kooky characters. You got superheroes. You got oh. uh, 
yeah, there's one character who pretends to be a superhero. There's another where she's a uh, big kaiju fan, including her nickname, uh, that's Shoko. Uh, where this appeal might come into a lot of wrestling fandom is they pretty much have a connection with AEW. Uh, Kenny Omega and mm. company have has a, a big DDT background. That's where Kenny Omega kind of cut his teeth in the wrestling world. <clears throat> so him and uh, the owner of a lot, a lot of that, uh, Sanjiro Takagi, they have a more or less deal struck uh, to just kind of make, keep it a little bit loose. So you see Yuka Sakazaki in uh, AEW coming over. Uh, uh, you ha- you, we've seen Shoko Nakajima before. Uh, Maki Ito is in Tokyo Joshi Pro. So these are your, 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 some of your biggest names that you're probably familiar with if you're an AEW fan. Uh, and mm-hmm. Yuka is now on Excursion, and she's showing up on Dynamite next week. So that's good to, good to see. Good to Hopefully they can utilize her better. But mm-hmm. Tokyo Joshi Pro, character-based promotion, in-rings on the up-and-up, and the promotions uh, on the up-and-up from a business perspective. I, li- I like to uh, approach Joshi Wrestling probably a lot differently than a lot of other fandoms out there where business is important. Mm. <laughs> You'd like to see your wrestling promotions stay in business. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe more people start watching and can join in on the fandom. So Tokyo Joshi Pro has, uh, over the last 18 months, increased their business to be the number two promotion uh, the running Oda Award coming up. Uh, they got a King of the Ring style tournament, a, a New Japan Cup style tournament. Pick your other promotion that you can make a reference to. It's a knockout tournament. The number one contender uh, will win that. So they do have tournaments just like any other promotion out there that you enjoy. And I highly recommend it. Sweet. Uh, I mean, like that, that sounds awesome. And, and I mean, if for anybody who needs an excuse to go and check out but DDT, which is a lot of fun. I mean, even if you go back through their archives or Noah, I mean, if you're going to get Tokyo Joshi Pro as well, I mean, definitely take the time from what it sounds like from from what you're saying to go and check out uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro uh, because I'm, I'm familiar with a lot of those names that you're bringing up. And if you haven't seen their content in Japan, I mean, it sounds like it's definitely worth a shot. Um. JPQ, uh, I'm about to open up a, a big can of worms. I feel, but but I have to ask. Yeah, Stardom. Tell tell me about Stardom. So I mean, what's there to say that I haven't said already for years now? <laughs> Starts with hashtag Watch Stardom first and foremost. Yeah. Um, okay. If you can, Stardom-World.com. Um, to JD's point, a little under ten dollars a month, and you get probably the most polished product in all of Joshi, right? Um, it's the big leagues in a lot of ways. Uh, they're backed by Bushy Road. Um, they have some of the best talent that you're going to find in the world, um, whether it be uh, you know Mayu Iwatani or Momo Watanabe. Uh, Julia is just you know leaps and bounds headed for superstardom. Uh, Shori is one of the best workers, if not one of the most consistent, hard-hitting workers, best striker in all of uh, professional wrestling today. Um, Tam Nakano, best bout machine. You know, she's having a tremendous year. And the most interesting thing about Stardom, in my opinion, is the fact that from top to bottom, they have the most complete roster uh, from a depth perspective. Um, whether it be a Zumi or a Starlight Kid, uh, who's, you know, they've been wrestling now for a good amount of time. You know, they're only. 18, 19, 20 years old, and they started wrestling when they were 11, 12, 13, 14. And so they've got years underneath of them. 
However, uh, as they kind of come to age in a lot of ways um, with regards to the roster, um, we're we're starting to see them get pushed. So a lot of the, you know, pin eaters as they were coming up, uh, being the uh, the fourth of four in their factions and things like that, we're beginning to see the growth and the investment uh, Mm -hmm. and the payoff onto a lot of their, um, you know, um, uh, rookie years as they begin to climb the roster. So you have this defined main event scene with uh, Julia and and Mayu and Momo kind of is a little bit of the the gatekeeper although JD will tell you that she's a mid carter um you've got uh second tier uh your wonder uh, area where you have uh like your intercontinental side where you have your uh, Tams and your uh Unagis and your Micas and and a lot of these other people coming up, which is really exciting. And then you have this younger crop on top of that, but then but very veteran in the ring that are beginning to make a name for themselves. And they're beginning to to push forward. And we've seen Starlight Kid, Azumi, Matsupoi all begin to kind of climb the ladder a bit, um, you know, as well. And so it's creating right now in stardom uh, a tremendous amount of intrigue with regards to picking a favorite and watching that favorite kind of progress uh in storylines and and title fights and and faction wars etc um there's a little bit for everybody if you're a comedy fan you know you got saki kashima sitting there who probably is the best in my opinion sorry jd uh at at getting you to laugh and pulling out cheekish wins for her faction uh if you're more of the high profile main event scene we have utami hayashishida uh as our red belt champion and she's just putting on banger after banger including uh, match of the year as of now, um, certainly match of the year contender, but as of now, out now out leader, uh, Utami versus Shuri from mm-hmm. uh, a couple months from about a month ago. That you know, five point five from Dave Meltzer himself with regards to match rating, and whether you believe in match ratings or not is irrelevant, right? That's just telling you this is a match that you want to seek out and find, right? Yeah, and that was a really uh, tremendous match and tremendous. Uh, you know, a pivot in the history of stardom. And so, you know, there's a lot of exciting things happening uh, in stardom right now. But I think more importantly, they're kind of still on the ground floor, right? Mm-hmm. Coming out of uh, a new era or coming out of an old era into a new era with Bushi Road, coming out of the pandemic, right? And kind of getting back into the swing of things here over the course of 2021. What we're seeing is that this promotion isn't ready to begin to plateau. If anything, they're still on come up right and there's a lot of exciting things in the very near future as we get closer to the anniversary show in the spring of next year and the year-end climax in, at the end of the year so uh, a lot of interesting things happening in stardom it's nice because they do so many uh shows over the mm. course of the year right every weekend they're doing three shows so from a value perspective you're not going to get much more for under ten dollars from a wrestling from the wrestling side than stardom-world.com. But then more importantly than that, you're able to jump in, learn the wrestlers because of the repetitive nature of the matches, and you're going to get fun, exciting uh, matches on top of that. And it lets you kind of ease into it pretty quickly, pick a favorite, and then ride or die with them until you eventually make the switch. So uh, a lot <laughs> of good things happening in stardom right now. Yeah, I mean, you you laid down the gauntlet for sure, and and I, I've I've subscribed to Stardom as well, and and actually, what what got me interested in going back because I, I only unsubscribed just because of like a hey, I just I just need to free up ten dollars a month here and there just sure. to like 
you know, do whatever. But like the uh, Hayashida uh, and uh, Suri match, I had heard about it and I was like, man, dude, I, 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 I definitely regret unsubscribing because <laughs> I want to go back and check this match, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, uh, I, I'm definitely familiar with with, you know, all of the hype that's coming out of stardom this year. I do want to kick it over to JD uh, for you to touch on something that uh, JPQ had brought up, um, which is the these these faction wars. And, and both of y'all can go back and forth on this because I'm sure we'll find the answer. We'll, we'll find the right answer. But um, the the faction wars are very important to stardom. Be careful of that microphone there. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was just like waving my hands around. And I just like start hitting stuff. It's crazy. <laughs> All right. So faction warfare. Yeah. So 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 talk to me about factions and the importance of factions because while we here in the West probably get like oh well in AEW there's like uh you know the Dark Order. And there's, uh, you know, the, the Young Bucks and Kenny, and the, they've got all those. And then in WWE, I mean, you, you don't tend to get factions so much. I mean, the last important faction that WWE probably put out was, what, the the New Day and the Shield? I mean, that it, those I guess. Kids, maybe. <laughs> yeah. um, but like fact, trio, but okay. <laughs> you know, but like, it, I guess there's so much more importance on factions. It, yes. It, Mm-hmm. So a promotion, uh, two promotions that you can kind of point to uh, that really have a focus on factions is Dragon Gate and New Japan. You know, New Japan, you got Chaos, you got your LIJ, you got your Bullet Club, uh, Dragon Gate, you got your RED, you got your High End, you got your Masquerade. Uh, much of the, much of those promotions are very faction based. Dragon Gate tells uh, they what New Japan's done is they've created factions over the course of you know ten plus years. Uh, Dragon right. Gate tends to uh, have a lot of storylines based on these factions coming and going a lot of the times. Uh, that that creates kind of a big storyline over disbandment matches. So when you look at stardom, it's kind of both. They, they I, I like to kind of poke fun at stardom. Uh, their blueprint is copying a lot of Dragon Gate <laughs> when it comes to match style and, and the faction storytelling because uh, kind of before the Bushi Road era, they kind of have these disbandment stories a lot of the times or people coming and leaving the, the faction quite often. That's very Dragon Gate. But uh, over the last, I would say, couple of years, they've kind of diverted away a little bit from that. And they're kind of going the New Japan route. Uh, maybe a new faction comes in, the better known aforementioned uh, Di- Donna Del Mundo, DDM. That's uh, Julia's faction. That's a new one filled with outsiders. Uh, I wouldn't say it's Bullet Club-esque, but the... The blueprint is kind of there with just the outsider people from outside the promotion coming in and kind of wrecking shop. Uh, a lot of Stardom's uh, booking strategy and, and its blueprints uh, from from here on is kind of focused on keeping your factions away from each other and that kind of or uh, faction members away from each other in key matches, which will then be big draws down the line. You know that's why you got your your Julia Shuri. They may they maybe only wrestle each other once or twice a year in a singles match, whether it be the five star or a high profile singles match. So you're not overwhelmed with just repeat, rinse repeat matches over and over again. But you do get a lot of your stories uh, in trios and tag matches between the factions, and they can grow stories out of that. Uh, and it doesn't have a lot of these Joshi companies. 
they kind of only have about 25-ish members of their roster. So this is also a good way to keep things fresh, but they can consistently work with each other. And that's why you see a work rate just increasing over time. Uh, if you cut to Tokyo Joshi Pro, they don't have factions. They, they just kind of mix and match a lot of the times and, and go from there. So it's very different strategies in, uh, in booking and, and keeping wrestlers fresh uh, away from each other. So Stardom, oh. I think, has the much stronger strategy in, in, a, in a long-term sense. Oh, okay. I mean, hey, that makes a, a ton of sense to me as far as, like, from a, from a booking standpoint, what are we doing with the factions and how, how do we use the factions as a mechanism, uh, for sure. Um, uh, JPQ, I'll kick it over to you, kind of more of a follow-up. What are the factions? I know, you know, obviously JD brought up Donna Del Mundo, right? Sure. Uh, what are the other factions? Because uh, I, there's more, way more than what everybody seems to be in a faction in, sure. in Stardom. Sure. Um, yeah, well, and so uh, to, to piggyback off of the benefit of factions, regardless of the promotion, uh, it comes down to organization, right? Mm -hmm. It allows for a subcategory for fans to pay attention to and cling to it first, and then from there it gives you an opportunity to learn the wrestlers and then kind of you know, the personality of the faction kind of yields the personality of the wrestler underneath of it to some degree, right? Uh, so it's a very um, handheld way of getting into a promotion, which is another reason why people should hashtag watch stardom, right? So uh, the factions that we're dealing with, uh, first and foremost, we have stars, and that's led by Mayu Iwatani. Now, they're a little bit on the weaker end right now because everybody's betraying Mayu and moving on to different promotions. So we'll see if that one sticks around uh, much, much longer. But uh, you have stars, and that's, you know, again, when we do these primer type of episodes, uh, I like to say that that's kind of like your pop faction, right? That's your gen pop. Like, that's, um, it's not so much the mainstream right now, but it's the top 40 hits, right? It's the yeah. people that are pretty <laughs> palatable to everybody. They put a smile on your face. They wear bright colors. Um, they're very good in the ring, don't get me wrong, um, mm. but they bring a, a sense of levity to to, to the wrestling promotion. Uh, then you have what I will deem your, um, let's talk about DDM, we'll go right into DDM. They're the newest faction. Well, they're the second newest faction. Um, they came on the scene um, late or early last year in 2020, uh, led by Julia. And then what Julia did was that she began to bring in freelancers and or uh, wrestlers from different promotions. So the entire makeup of DDM are people that are outsiders to stardom, right? And whether they were freelancers in different, uh, work in different promotions, or they came from, um, Julia herself came from Ice Ribbon, and Matt Sapoy came from uh, TJPW, and uh, uh, Himika came from Actress Girls, you know, as Micah came from JTO, as everybody started to kind of come in together, what you were seeing is that they were building a, a faction of of world talent or worldly talent based out of different promotions in in uh, Japanese wrestling, and so that was very exciting. And I'll tell you that they're kind of your they're your main event um, faction, right? Mm. You, the people that are have been in have been with Stardom for a while kind of look at DDM, the fans. This is uh, as you know they win all the time. Right. And they win all the time because they're very good at what they do. Right. And they all kind of serve a purpose and they're all different styles and they all work together in various ways. And so you get great variety, but they're all main event quality. Right. Or co-main event quality. And so the if you're in DDM, expect high personality. Right. Expect high wrestling IQ. Expect 
uh, high ring general ship, right, or, you know, type of thing, um, and expect uh, uh, for them to, to have the capacity to close a show if need be. And that's kind of the expectation when you're dealing with um, when you're dealing with uh, a DDM. So uh, that's number two. Uh, I'll go right into Oedo Tai, which has a, oh. a sordid history in a lot of ways. Um, the current iteration of Oedo Tai, I always oh. liken to um, <laughs> it. This this one is really more of a uh, call it a it, legacy faction. It's, yeah, it. we'll call it, we'll call it a legacy faction. I really look at Oedo Tai in, in its current iteration, and this may not be fair to a lot of the Oedo Tai fans. It's more of a brand um, than anything else right now. It's sticker quality. Yeah. Uh, they're living off the namesake of Oedo Tai, but it's the land of misfit toys for me right now. There's a lot of uh, interesting um, wrestlers from Konami, who's been in a couple different factions now and tag team, former tag team champ and former uh, artist of Stardom Champion. You got Saki Kashima, who is probably the best utility player in all of professional wrestling. Um, that that plays a factor, uh, that 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 does a really good job of kind of being the glue for that faction. Uh, in these matches, you have a lot of uh, Ruaka and and Hina, um, excuse me, Rina, uh, who are kind of the rookies coming up through the faction. It's led by Natsuko, uh, Tora, who is very, um, what is it? Allegedly. Yeah, allegedly led by Natsuko Tora, who <laughs> is, you know, she was kind of a mid-carter entire life, and they gave her an opportunity here after kind of being in this uh, trainee role at the end of Kagetsu's run. And she's kind of doing what she can with it. Um, but, you know, they're known for going in there and causing chaos. You know, they go in and it's not about wins and losses to them. It's about disruption. It's about, um, you know, uh, inflicting pain and getting DQ'd. And so, you know, there's a lot of um, um, there's a lot of inconsistency with them wanting to win certain things. But they have a lot of fun of beating people up. So if you're into that type of uh, a wrestler, you know, Oedo Tai is a good, a good spot to be. Um, mm-hmm. And then I'll end it with what I'll tell you is not just a legacy faction. No, excuse me, I actually got two more. We have uh, uh, Queen's Quest, right, which is a legacy faction started by uh, Io Shirai before she left. Uh, the leader being Momo Watanabe. Uh, you have your red belt champion and Utami Hayashishida sitting there. You have your future Kota Ibushi-esque uh, wrestler in Saya Kamatani, also in that faction, as well as probably uh, the best up and comer in Azumi, also beginning to take a lot of strides coming out of the high speed division and, and making her uh, name known in the tag team division and trios division. Uh, and probably the most technical wrestler that you're going to find under the age of 23. Uh, they're all in one faction together. And so Queen's Quest, where it's you know, a lot like DDM, they're a main event faction, right? In a lot of ways, you see a lot of Queen's Quest versus DDM and a lot of pairing off and, and button heads there because from a talent perspective, from a consistency perspective, from an overall presentation perspective, it doesn't get much better uh, or complete than, than Queen's Quest. In my opinion, you liken them against DDM and you've got faction wars for years and we're seeing a lot of that transpire over the last 18 months. Uh, I'll end it with our new faction, Cosmic Angels, right? And this is Hell more yeah. of an... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a newer faction. Um, again, uh, Tam broke off from Stars because everybody betrays Mayu. And she brought in Mina Shirakawa from TJPW, as well as Una, uh, Unagi as well, uh, who I believe was signed to TJPW. Is that right, JD? Yes. 
Okay, so she was signed to TJPW. Um, brought those two in, and they're kind of more of this. I'm going to butcher the word. Uh, they're more of this, you know, kind of guavier. Did I say that right? Guavier. Guavier uh, faction, where they're very more idolistic, right? They're more model esque. Um, and the nice thing is, is that with Tam being so concrete at at the art of professional wrestling, both from storylines and from in-ring story being told through through wrestling as well as her overall skill set when it comes to uh, uh, wrestling you know she kind of holds the she kind of holds it down right and as she's holding it down these other two are learning the ropes right not so um the fundamentals aren't as clear or as clean as as some as some of the others but you can see that they're progressing and they've done a good job of not shying away from that when they brought them in and have shown you the progression of these wrestlers uh, at the beginning of, quote-unquote, their stardom career uh, to where they are now, six months, eight months, nine months later. And as a fan of professional wrestling, it's fun to follow those progressions, right? Mm. So where they're a little on the older side, they're 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 more of the, the model or idol uh, kind of look to them, right? What we've seen evolve since the inception of Cosmic Angels is that Unagi has gotten better. Unagi, in my opinion, um, you know, where she's certainly not going to blow your socks away with her offense, right? She eats so much offense. She sells for everybody. Her job is to go in there and just bump around the ring. And and I think she does that on par with some of the best in the business today. Uh, Mina Shirakawa is night and day difference than what she was in TJPW. I mean, I always, JD and I talk about it all the time, but the reason I stopped watching TJPW in late 2018, early 2019 was partly because of Mina Shirakawa and her wrestling ability. Um, and she's taken, and she took great strides when I stopped watching TJPW, and she's taken even further strides since coming over and working with Milano over in Stardom. And so to watch their progressions as since since they signed has been a treat to where they just uh, fought each other for the future of Stardom Championship. I won't give any spoilers, you know, but you can see that there's been investment in them and that investment is going to continue. So we got five factions out in Stardom currently. It's a nice way of breaking up the roster. Uh, And more importantly, each uh, faction brings something a little bit different. There's a little bit of a a variant to each one of these factions. So uh, if, if you're a fan of comedic stylings, DQs, um, um, you know, blow-off matches, things of that nature. You know, you got a Oedo tie. If you're into the main event, you know, bangers with, you know, four or five-star quality type of work rate. You have DDM and, and Queen's Quest. You got Mayu Iwatani, who's just the most lovable wrestler of all time, in my opinion, uh, leading stars, and, you know, everything in between. So a lot of good things happening within stardom, within the factions, each faction has its own individual uh, way of looking at things. So uh, definitely worth checking out. So, I mean, that's, again, uh, qu- quite a good explanation of, of the factions there. Um, there is something that I'll, I'll kick it over to JD here. Uh, I've heard of different mechanisms being used for people to be shuffled in between factions. Is there some kind of draft, perhaps, or is there some kind of reset that happens for like members to switch between the factions? So in the past, they would have kind of an annual draft, uh, whether it was in a battle royale or situation where the last member uh, eliminated her factions disbanded. A uh, new person would step up, they get a new one. But ever since the Bushi Road acquisition, they, they've definitely stepped away from that and instead uh, have utilized telling stories uh, such as uh, 
the more recent Oedo Tai Stars feud, which has gone on essentially since mm-hmm. uh, the takeover, <laughs> as as some fans might might put it, uh, where it's a systematic destruction of stars because they keep losing the faction matches and members have to join Oedo Tai. Uh, so that's kind of where they're going now, and they're starting to tell more stories with possibly members uh, getting disgruntled with their faction positioning. Uh, you know, you can kind of, if you're a New Japan fan, see it as kind of the LIJ factor where Evil just kind of got kind of kind of sick of his position and started uh, feuding with uh, Naito, and that led to him leaving LIJ for Bullet Club. So, you know, s- similar storytelling there. In the sense of fa- uh, faction members leaving and joining other uh, other one uh, other factions in general, mm. uh, so yeah, they've stepped away from the the draft strategy, even though that was a very fun time uh, in Stardom history. Mm-hmm. Is there is there anything similar faction wise that we need to know about Tokyo Joshi Pro? Like, do they have a, a lot of that same kind of thing, or is it again more individual? You know, it, like. I guess, individual character base. So, yeah, it's very much individual character based. They don't really have factions. What they do have is uh, tag teams. Oh, okay. What they, their, their book and strategy to keep it fresh is they always seem to find different names and tag teams to kind of stick people together with for a period of time. Uh, Yuka Sakazaki and Mizuki are the magical sugar rabbits, probably one of the most popular acts uh, in the promotion. You have uh, now Miyu Yamashita, who is the champion, the pink striker. I think the best striker in Joshi uh, currently. You fool JPQ. I won't, mm-hmm. won't hear this nonsense. I am a Shuri fan, though. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's one and one A in a lot of ways. Uh, I mean, if you want to not grow a set about it and really come to a conclusion, I'm, I'm going one A and two. <laughs> uh, it's, it's Shuri. I mean, she was in the UFC. You know, she did it for real. Used to be. Used to be. I don't need your UWFI nonsense here. <laughs> uh, but anyways, yeah, Miyu Yamashita is now with Maki Ito, so they're a, they're a tag team for a little while. And they, they tell stories of the of the tag teams coming together, uh, gunning for the tag titles. That creates an importance uh, for the tag titles. Uh, and eventually them splitting apart, or or not. Uh, they, they can be together for a number of years. The Bakaratsu sisters are a tag team. And then when they want to do a trios, they'll bring someone in, maybe tell a story that way, uh, come up with their own wacky name. Uh, for their trios, and it kind of builds off of that, and they have a history behind them all, and that's how they keep them fresh for a period of time. And Tokyo Joshi Pro also isn't afraid for the undercard to just be this kind of hodgepodge of a number of people, and because they're so strong at character work, they can they they can change they can change their heel face personas if you want to have it make sense within the confines of the promotion and the story of that match. So that's where Tokyo Joshi Pro is strong is it's still fresh cards because they're not afraid to consistently have people tag in and out with each other and yet still have a uh, a well-told story of a tag team and uh, creating singularity based on that as well. Okay, that makes sense. So uh, l- let's let's talk about titles as well because obviously titles are important in wrestling sometimes i i guess i would hope that they're important they should be they, not they in mexico sh- but they should be important. not in mexico right we can't we can't throw that that's a different <laughs> <Right>. place <laughs> they, they should be important at the very least um so 
obviously we'll we'll open up the can of worms known as stardom here in a second because I know there's a lot of titles in stardom uh, to cover. Uh, let's 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 go to uh, uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro first, and 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 JD and, and JPQ, you both can pitch in on this one. Talk to sure. me about the the titles in Tokyo Joshi Pro. Well, I mean, it's it's a uh, much more simple to understand. You got your top singles belt, you got your tag titles, and then you got your I don't want to call it a mid card title. I think that's a very that's a very stereotypical uh, undermining definition that WWE has unfortunately uh, uh, very, <laughs> installed in a lot of wrestlers and wrestling fan base. So it's the international belt. It's uh, it, it's po- it, 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 its inception was for a lot of uh, people from outside of Tokyo Joshi Pro to come in. Thunder Rosa is probably one of the more well known names at this point in time who had held it, had a feud with Maki Ito over it, which was very fun. I hope they bring that back. <laughs> uh, and the top belt is held by Miyu Yamashita currently, Pink Striker. Uh, easily probably one of the, the the best in ring in the promotion. You can throw a couple names in there if you want, but she, right now she is on top, and your tag titles is, I think that's the number two in the promotion currently. Uh, they're not afraid to have that main event shows. Uh, and those are, your, those are your one, two, three. That's very, that's, it's very, very much more on the simple terms, and a lot of Joshi promotions are like that. Actually. Right. Okay. Hey, that makes sense. Uh, JPQ, <laughs> stardom belts. There's a lot of them. Yeah, you could say that. You could say that <laughs> there's a lot. It's not as complicated as you think, though. No, it's very simple. And again, I mean, in a, in a way of trying to um, streamline a lot of things, um, the fact that each title is colored makes for a, an easy representation to the viewer of trying to pick up and, and keep an eye on what's going on. So you have mm-hmm. your World of Stardom Championship, otherwise known as your Red Belt. Uh, you have, um, and that and that would be your, your top uh, championship in stardom. You have your Wonder of Stardom Championship, which is your secondary singles title. Um, and I'll tell you that where, to, to JD's point, your tag team title in TJPW tends to be your second title uh, in a lot of ways. Wonder is that way for stardom, right? So yeah. you, you see a lot of, Red belt, white belt, white belt, red belt, co-maining and main eventing a lot of the big shows. Um, and that's by design. Uh, they really do put a value on one-on-one matches in stardom uh, compared to tag teams, although their tag team division is very good. Um, <clears throat> sticking with the theme of single titles, then you have your SWA Undisputed World uh, Championship. And that is an interesting title because that's got a little gimmick to it where uh, the holder of it can only defend it against people that aren't of the same uh, nationality. Right. So, for example, uh, Shuri is half Filipino, half Japanese. And so because she's half Filipino, she can not just defend it against people that are Japanese, but she can defend it against anybody that's not Filipino in a lot of ways. Right. Um, And so that's fun because it's really more of a traveling title. Right. And so we've seen over the over the years, SWA uh, be held by you know, the B Priestleys of the world, the Jamie haters, and it allows for variety, not just for Gaijins coming in, but then if they decide to shop that title around and get Stardom's name out there a little bit more, gives the opportunity for it to travel a little bit, whether it be a Japanese holder or a Gaijin that came in on a quick tour. So that's a fun one to pay attention to right now. Uh, I'll tell you the stock in the SWA title is as high as it's ever been because of the work that Shori's done with it. And so the prestige of that title has only increased over the course of the last year or so. Uh, we have the high-speed title, which is an old NEO, which is a defunct uh, Joshi promotion uh, title, which is more of their quick pace, uh, you know, lighter wrestlers. Think of it, I hate to uh, um, 
correlate it to 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 the cruiserweight division in WCW. But for the sake of conversation and, and this being a primer episode, that's an applicable rep, uh, a representation yep, for the people I that are just that. getting into it. Um, then you have your Goddess of Stardom Championship, which is your tag team titles, right? Otherwise known as the Black Belts. Uh, they have a Future of Stardom Championship, which is if you've been wrestling for under two years within three Stardom, years. three years. It is three years. Three under years. three years within Stardom, you can, um, you know, you can, you can um, compete for the Future of Stardom Championship. And they do a lot of tournaments, and it's fun when, you know, you see people that are almost ready to take that next step, and that's kind of a championing moment for them, letting you know that they're going to be you know, the next on the roster to kind of move up the card if they win the Future of Stardom Championship. And the fun thing about the Future of Stardom Championship is if they give it to you, typically you hold it until you vacate it, right? Because if you're the top of the rookies or the top of the the future stars, you pretty much stay the top of the future stars until you're ready to move on. So you don't see a lot uh, with regards to that being defended and being lost um, a lot that's of the a, time. That's a fun, I'll, I'll interrupt you because that's a really yeah. fun, interesting title and it's a great concept. I wish more promotions would do that actually. Agreed. Uh, because it's a real big crowning moment for such a young wrestler or at least young in experience right. as well. And when you when you get that big vacated match to crown the new champion, it becomes a huge emotional moment for that wrestler. And you definitely feel their, it, it, you definitely feel their own sense of accomplishment. Uh, namely the most recent pay-per-view show from stardom had Mina versus Unagi. Right. And it's not like these matches aren't meant to blow you away. Like, cause you don't expect that from a wrestler. So, so young in the business. Right. right? So when you get, when you get them finally winning this first sense of accomplishment uh, from a singles level, you 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 relate to it in a lot of ways from when you first accomplished something that you were just learning. Right. That kind of sense of sense of night. I really I really like the the concept of the future title, which was taken from all Japan women in their AJW title. Uh, same concept. It's the exact one, because that's yeah. where Rossi Bookerman cut his teeth in was yeah. in all Japan women from the 90s. A lot of parallels between 80s and 90s. Stardom and, and AJW in that regard. And then we finished off with the trios, right? Artists of Stardom Championship. Um, home of the Orange Belt. Saki Cashman's belt. Uh, where belt. Take that back. I will tell you, and I don't watch a lot of Dragon Gate, so, <laughs> uh, you know, it's one of those things where Dragon Gate seems to be the one that seems to be most on par with what I'm about to say. But uh, for my money, uh, when it comes to trios matches, it doesn't get much better than Stardom, in my opinion. Um because of the consistency, because when you're doing faction wars or faction warfare need to fill a card in a lot of different ways, you know, you can phone a lot of these trio tournament or uh, trio matches in as a as a card filler. But time and time again, the, the more you watch these matches, whether before the title or number one contendership or, you know, just a second second match on the card. These tend to be some of the more fun matches that you're going to find. They re- You really find the essence of stardom and this kind of lighthearted, fun type of wrestling through their trios matches. And, and that's represented through these titles as well. So very polished, very clean, a lot of fun, good spots, a lot of camera shots in the sense that like they'll do uh, three on three um, move sets in which they'll all be pulling the same um, uh, submission. Right. Or they'll be holding everybody against the ropes. And that gives good photo ops uh, for people to take and things like that. And it just brings uh, more fun to the party than more more of your serious undertones that you find with like the wonder or the world. Uh, the Artist of Stardom Championship, where it certainly can be to that caliber from time to time, typically lends on uh, gives brings a tremendous much, uh, a lot more levity to the situation 
uh, or to the matches, which kind of yields a lot of the fun that you associate with with stardom and, and Joshi wrestling in general. So I think that, you know, that is the cornerstone, the the trios division or the artist of stardom championship is really the cornerstone of of how people perceive or should perceive Joshi um, in a lot of ways from from how it makes you feel and, and how you react to to that fun that you have when you watch it. Yeah, Joshi has a lot of Lucha Libre to it, and that's where this really stems from, is Lucha Libre. Dragon Gate is a Lucha Libre-based promotion, essentially, in Japan, and uh, Stardom copying Dragon Gate yet again <laughs> with uh, Trios matches. And you bet your ass we're going to see some AEW Trios titles. Eventually, it's only been the talk of the talk for a good point of 18 months, at least, at this point yeah. in time. And if you don't think that's going to be a Lucha, Lucha Libre-based title, then uh, a good place to start diving into is Stardom's Trios titles. It's uh, it's always a fun matchup when you get those. And it creates reasoning why you should pay attention to these six-person tags. Because who mm. knows? Maybe you'll get the next challengers. And the fact it's a Trios title, it also creates a sense of these titles could change at any time because right. it's much more difficult to defend your title against uh, three other people as opposed to two. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. Uh uh, so I'll I'll kind of ask maybe a slightly loaded question. I'm I'm not 100 percent sure because again you guys are schooling me on this. I I am definitely not the expert this episode. Um, but I guess for for both of you, and I'll start with with JD. I guess is there are are there big uh, events? Are there are there things that you as a Joshi fan mark on your calendar? every year that you're like yeah i gotta make sure that i see this is there i don't want to equate it to like a wrestlemania or a, a SummerSlam or anything like that but is are there these Get your wwe references out of this the <laughs> joshi <laughs> podcast today yeah i, I yes yes absolutely <laughs> but like is there is, is is there something in that same vein where it's like man this card is stacked i know it's going to be stacked or this is the big event in joshi at the moment like I guess what what do you mark your calendar for as a Joshi fan? Oh, I mean, if you want to talk about getting getting something on the ground floor, that it is it is now with a lot of these promotions. The top three Joshi promotions: that's Stardom as number one, TJPW number two, the towel I'm wearing on my shoulders right now, Ice Ribbon number three. That's a much di more difficult promotion to get into. I, I do want to plug the the hell out of that promotion in a bit, if you don't mind. Sure, uh, go you know, for it later on. But as for as for times i mean if we're going to compare other promotions we definitely got to compare to say new japan and dragon gate in this sense uh you always mark down the tournaments you know knockout or five star is your g1 uh cinderella tournament just ended for stardom that's your knockout tournament that's your new japan cup tjpw is just about to start their cinderella uh, pri uh, princess tournament princess cup that's your knockout tournament so always mark down the tournaments and your tournament final uh on your calendars and then you got your your big year-end events or your start events. Those generally take place these days at Cork and Hall. Uh, I'm sure we've all heard of that, yep. heard of that location. And uh, being that these three promotions I mentioned uh, are growing, it's going to start becoming Oda Ward, uh, Budokan, hopefully. We saw Stardom hit up the Budokan earlier this year with a great hair versus hair match. My current match of the year. So if you haven't checked that match out, uh, definitely check that. I would also uh, tend to agree that that's also my match of the year. Hey, all right. I'm not alone. <laughs> so, yeah, Oda Ward, Budokan, uh, Yokohama Budokan, 
uh, Cork and Halls are generally uh, bigger, bigger shows. And with Stardom on the ground floor, really kicking up because they're the they're one of the few promotions along with Tokyo Joshi Pro that have actually grown during the pandemic because they started at such a small scale uh, comparatively to a lot of promotions. You could make the argument that Stardom's about to become the number the number three if they're not already there, just behind Dragon Gate as the number two promotion in Japan. Right. Do you mark down your tournaments? You mark down your cork and halls that are generally uh, built up once a month. Uh, for many companies like TJPW, uh, they they used to run that once a year in January. Uh, now they're about to run Oda Ward. That's going to be uh, the where the Princess Cup's going to be. Uh, they have Tokyo Princess. So Tokyo Hall is another place. So you just mark down your big locations, uh, much like you do with New Japan once a month. It's like, hey, we got Dominion coming up at, uh, I believe that's at Budokan. Uh, there's so many venues, but uh, anyways, you get you get what I'm saying. You got your big shows once a month generally that are built up for a big title match of some kind, and it's usually at a bigger venue than your Shinky but first your house shows basically. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I mean that totally makes sense. Uh, so so JPQ ex- expand on JD's explanation a little bit. The the stardom tournaments I know are vitally important to the sure. promotion. So so talk to me about the tournaments and and kind of what what are the differences and 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 what do you typically expect from 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 the tournaments? Sure. Yeah. I uh, well uh, first and foremost, and I think this is um, probably true for all Japanese promotions, not just uh, Joshi promotions. Although you know you do absolutely see this in Joshi, is that if you're a winner of the tournament, that means something, right? That's an accolade that carried with you a lot, like a uh, letters at the end of your name, right? Um, if you win the five star Grand Prix, which is a lot like the G1 in, in, in New Japan, right? It's a two block, ten person on in each block tournament. You, uh, you you get assigned points based on the results at the end. Whoever has the most points in the block goes to the final, and after that, they get a shot at the the red belt, right? Um, very linear um, comparison to to the G1. Um, but if you were to win the five star and you were to lose the red belt. You will forever be known as a five-star champion, right? Like, it is an accolade that is carried with you. And you can obviously stock up victories within the G1, but a lot like when Naito wins in New Japan or a lot like when when Kenny Omega was winning. In, like, again, it's it's something that's carried with you uh, as part of your resume moving forward. And I, I think that Sardom does a great job with that. But then I will tell you a lot of uh, Puro and a lot of Joshi companies, if you win something even on a smaller scale like Catch the Wave, Right. If you want to catch the wave tournament from from wave pro wrestling, that's an accolade that is carried with you in a lot of ways. Right. And so I, I love that aspect of it because it because it makes you want to pay attention to these things. Right. At the same time, the storylines within these tournaments are also something worth paying attention to. They do a fantastic job. And I will give stardom a lot of credit here uh, because the f- the five star, especially this year, is such a big event. Right. I mean, it spans almost seven weeks. Um so to kind of keep fans invested in that over a seven week time is can be a bit tiresome, right? It there is a there is a, a certain amount of energy that you need to keep if you're going to pay attention to that. It's like I'm watching the Tour de France right now, right? And whether I miss a day or not, you know, it's a three week endeavor, right? That's every yeah. single day. And what are you going to do a little bit differently to make sure that I'm paying attention each and every single day? Stardom does a good job of that through their storytelling, right? It's not just the longer arcs that they're setting up via 
Utami Hayashishida is going to lose to somebody in her block, and that's going to be a, a championship match later and, and all that type of stuff. Yeah, you get that, right? And you can build stories off of that. But then we see a lot of uh, stories brought in um, that are very... And again, I guess I'm going to liken this to, to 2019, where we had uh, Saki Kashima versus Natsu Samir. And I bring this up because this was a feud that JD and I uh, spent a lot of time uh, remunerating over for 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 uh, during that time frame. And it's one of those things where we saw the payoff, the the rubber match during the five star. Right. And that was a lot of fun, you know, and and. And then we saw different um, stories being told within the tournament themselves that ended by the end of the tournament, given certain wrestlers, right? And then we saw shorter-term uh, storylines being picked up towards the back end of these things to carry the undercard through post-five-star. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of—you um, have to pay attention is really what I'm trying to drive at. And Sarum does a good job of interweaving these stories, both in-ring as well as short-term, long-term uh, uh, arcs from the mid card to the lower card to the to to the main event scene uh through these types of matches right at the same time we've also seen injuries happen where they would need to pivot right and and how things kind of how they have to work in a little bit of a crisis mode to make sense of whatever their finale is come the come the blocks at the end so uh if you can get solid booking and you can get um you know a, a, an area where uh you know, that they can keep it kind of feeling fresh over the course of these seven weeks. I feel like there's a lot of successes there, and Stardom does that. Uh, they also do this Cinderella tournament, which is very interesting because it is a knockout tournament um, to JD's, um, as JD uh, um, described. But it's one where they bring a bit of balance to it in the sense that you can get knocked out by being pinned or submitted. But you can also get knocked out by being thrown over the top rope, right? You can also be knocked out because they're only 10-minute matches. So if you hit a draw, both people are eliminated, right? And so in a lot of ways, if you're a smaller wrestler or you're a not experienced wrestler, man, I'm going up against the champion. How am I ever going to, to win this? Well, you don't have to pin her, right? You can throw her over the top rope. You can take advantage of a situation and use that to your benefit to, to get that surprise upset. And we, and that's why they call it the Cinderella, right? Cause it's a dream in a lot of ways to a lot of these wrestlers. And so you get to see that picked up through this knockout tournament. Um, that's just a little bit different than your conventional new Japan cup and, and things of that nature. So that's a nice little wrinkle, but to, to JD's point, you got the princess cup, right? And that has its own set of rules. There's a couple other tournaments out there that just have these slight variations that, as a fan, you welcome because it's not as static uh, as you're accustomed to seeing in a lot of other types of wrestling. And so that type of variation is is a lot of fun. Um, but that uh, variation also allows for, you know, intrigue and, and searching, right? And, and what I think is true for both me and JD is that where stardom in a lot of ways is a gateway to get into, to, to get into Joshi, you begin to find these different promotions like an ice ribbon or an or a marvelous or a seedling or an actress girls because uh everybody's doing something a little bit different all based out of fundamentals but everybody's doing something a little bit different bringing a little bit of variation that gets you to ask hey what's that right especially in their tournaments especially in uh during tournament season so a lot of variety um yields a lot of intrigue from the people that explore those avenues so uh in a lot of different ways you see that with the tournament season Sweet. Yeah, I, I can definitely dig that for stardom. Uh, JD, regarding uh, uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro, 
I guess what what are the I mean what are the mechanisms for the tournaments in in Tokyo Joshi Pro and then I'll I'll, I'll let y'all uh, introduce us to Ice Ribbon uh, you know a- afterwards so that way we can get an understanding wide, of, a wide wide world this is funny I, how I've become the the champion of Tokyo Joshi Pro today it's quite funny <laughs> it's a little ironic isn't it yeah. Well, I mean, the, the tournaments with Tokyo Joshi Pro, they they generally are knockout, uh, you know, single elimination style brackets. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone loves putting together a good bracket. I, I don't think uh, anyone can really disagree with that. Uh, March Madness saw the tag team tournament come down, and uh, that's a lot of fun. You can, I said it was a very tag team heavy promotion. That's what it comes across as. And then later in the year, you have your single knockout tournament for the for a more singles title aspect. Very, very simplistic, easy to follow. And if I and if I was to recommend kind of how to dive into these promotions, say that yeah. both both got your 10 bucks a month, uh, you know, pick a couple wrestlers, you know, watch a show, watch one of the bigger shows that's that happens one, uh, once a month. Generally, these these days yeah. uh, you pick your favorite tag team or favorite couple wrestlers in stardom's case. It's like almost picking your favorite uh, sports team, you know, and then you pick your favorite player on that team and you just follow them. And, uh, it, you know, if you don't want to if you don't have the time to more or less keep up with entire shows, you know, the five stars coming up, you've wa- you've just watched one of the more recent pay-per-views or you've checked out a few matches on Stardom World. Follow them throughout the five star. I'm not saying you have to, uh, you know, follow all seven weeks. I mean, when you mm. watch promotions, you know, you usually watch the the fir- the, the most the, the two most popular days people tend to check out in general is the first day and the final day. Maybe just follow. Maybe check out those two days, and then in between, follow your favorite wrestler, and that'll be a good way to kind of keep it up, keep up with it all. But since Tokyo Joshi Pro is more knockout based, uh, f- with their both their tournaments, maybe follow, fill out your bracket, and follow along, <laughs> just like March Madness. All That's right, the best way to do it. Sounds sounds good to me. I, I do like a good March Madness bracket, though I've never particularly been good to him um yeah we're all terrible at him <laughs> never goes the way you want uh, <laughs> so so you've mentioned ice ribbon and, I, and and i'm getting the vibe that you prefer maybe maybe prefer ice ribbon a little bit to tokyo joshi pro so ice ribbon is actually my favorite joshi promotion all right sweet let's talk about it i uh, i i've i've been covering ever since i discovered it uh, a number of years ago i have covered it every chance i get on the podcast red leaf retrocast I there is no other wrestling podcast out there that I'm aware of that even covers Ice Ribbon on a month to month basis, let alone every single podcast episode. This is I am the Ice Ribbon podcast. I will champion myself for it. <laughs> uh, I think it also has the best style. It is it is the style I uh, love the most. It is it is a much more hard, hard hitting style. It is uh, it is all about people moving up and down the card and creating stars. I'm not saying stardom or TJPW doesn't create stars, but I for, for my fandom, I think it creates the highest fandom. And it's got a do-it-yourself uh, mentality about it and promotion, which is I, I just I find the business perspective of that side like very fascinating because there's such a small scale, but you still have to make money. And the best way to do that and to stay in business and to grow is to create the next level of stars and uh, they they don't have the big backing as your cyber your cyber fight or your bushy road uh it, it's just be happy with pro wrestling it it is it is uh you, you know you follow the card and the undercard's going to be kind of a little wacky ca- comedy mid card's going to be kind of your more 
tag team trios type stuff. You might even get a death match or hardcore match in there, depending on who's who's in there with. And then your main event is going to be your hard hitting uh, sports presentation, you know, hard kicks to the back. Just very good wrestling. I, I, I really enjoy it. And it's it's to me, it's one of the more easier ones to dive into from a style perspective that and and uh, who knows, maybe you find the comedy more. Uh, they got that. Maybe you got the hardcore stuff in there. They got that. And they got a good main event uh, single scene. Now, financially, it's a little bit strange to get into, unfortunately, because it is a DIY type presentation. So there's a uh, a site called Nico Pro. And if you go, uh, Joshi City is a is a website out there. Just did a whole revamp of how to get into a number of different promotions, of where the pay per views are laid out, uh, uh, what service they're more associated with. And Nico Pro is kind of your uh, indie style uh, uh, Puro and Joshi promotions you can get into. It's uh, five bucks a month, and then each promotion seems to also have their own archive where you might get another subset of shows that'll come out on that, which is another five bucks a month. So you got $10 a month. Uh, the best oh. advice I give is sign up to the promotions, Nico pro website. Correct. And then if they have a show that happens to also air on the Nico pro wrestling site, then you can sign up for the extra $5. Uh, so it, in that sense, it's a low price point of entry. What, a lot of promotions have been doing since the pandemic started is adopted the pay-per-view model for bigger shows. And those might run, might run you via Nico pro another 20, $30 a month, uh, depending on the size of the show, the investment into it. I think everyone, every one of us can understand the business side of that. Yeah. Uh, and just imagine the, the old days, you know, where uh, WCW and WWF and WWE later as known, uh, had monthly pay-per-views, not so much, there you go, joshicity.com. Exactly. Uh, we all had to invest or wanted to invest, you know, $20, $30, $40 a month for those big pay-per-view shows. Now a lot of these Joshi promotions are adopting a similar model to more or less help stay in business, which is, uh, I, I really appreciate that from the business side. And you don't have to buy every single one. Uh, maybe every other month is a more financially uh, wise thing for you to do. Um, but, you know, you develop a good community like we have at Red Leaf Retrocast. Maybe you and your friends can kind of split off paying it all and, you know, help, help each other out, so to say. Not a bad way to get into a promotion, I say, as everyone kind of chips in and you watch together. Uh, you know, so that's good. And uh, Ice Ribbon sometimes, uh, for a few shows, has the KIPS service, which is a very good service. Costs a little bit more. That may be $35 a month for a pay-per-view. Uh, and, and they... Kind of for that extra money, they want to build up an even larger match uh, to really get your get your money's worth. That's their idea behind it. Uh, very fun promotion. Uh, does cost a little bit more, just like Dragon Gate. It's a fifteen dollars a month uh, subscription service as opposed to New Japan's ten. Uh, kind of that same uh, concept where it's a DIY promotion. It's going to cost you a little bit more to get into it, but for my bank for for the bang for my buck. I think it's uh it's my favorite out there, and I think it gives me the best uh, part of my fandom, and that's the one I've latched onto uh, to a number to the for the last number of years with them. Sweet. Uh, I mean, I guess this opens up another corridor of of, of questions. So I guess more ice ribbon specific. Um, so I guess is there a um, and and 
feel free either of you to to to, to answer in your own ways. But is is there uh, a marquee event or are there marquee wrestlers uh, within Ice Ribbon that people like myself, uninitiated into Ice Ribbon, need to know about? I'll hook you up with some uh, some excellent matches that have taken place this year. Uh, some match of the year candidates in my mind, at least a couple of them that have stood out. Uh, Ice Ribbon is for 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 my money. Uh, they don't do a lot of the old school mentality booking of of you know a a fresh star or a fr- or a rookie has to cut their teeth for three to seven years before finally getting a push. Uh, one of their top stars in the company is Suzu Suzuki, who's barely turned nineteen years old, and she's already had a nice little six six plus month reign with a title with the top title of the company. Uh, so that's Suzu Suzuki, who's just went through the seven math seven match death tra- death match series. Uh, with a number of other deathmatch wrestlers with the men, so Ice Ribbon's not afraid of intergender if they if it so pleases. Uh, they're not afraid of uh, these women uh, shedding some blood in the ring. We'll get your get your bloodlust pumping. I think we all like that. Our, our primal instincts kick in, and when you got a 19 year old woman uh, throwing thumbtacks into a dude, you're just like, yeah, go girl. <laughs> Talk about some <laughs> women empowerment. There it is. You got. <laughs> You got Sukasa Fujimoto, who is the uh, the the uh, booker of the promotion. She's been there for over, over a decade. She's kind of their she's their top champion currently in her I think it's her seventh reign at this point. But when you follow the booking of this promotion, you know she's going to put over a future star of this promotion. The the booking is so solid. It's uh, arguably the best book promotion of 2021 so far. Uh, you can make an argument for a couple other promotions, but if you follow along Ice Ribbon, I think it's uh, Booker of the Year right there, Sukasa Fujimoto. Uh, Booker woman put herself on top. Take that for what it's worth as well. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got Risa Sarah, who is unfortunately retiring this year. Uh, she's probably one of their biggest draws in the promotion. Uh, she's more of a hardcore wrestler, has a, just a strong, strong crowd connection with her goofy personality. Uh, and you have Maya Yuki. She's kind of your beautiful fighter. Uh, a uh, snow princess is her nickname. She's got a very great style. This is where Julia came from. This is where she uh, uh, cut her teeth in before she moved on to stardom. Uh, seeing that opportunity rise. Hikaru Shida cut a lot of her career. She started an ice ribbon as well. Perhaps you've heard of one Hikaru Shida there, Tanner. <laughs> I, I have. I have heard of this Hikaru is, Shida. This is where she comes from. This is where she got she got her start. Uh, she started with Tsukasa Fujimoto. Uh what a, it's a it's a great promotion. Lots of stars being made. The tag titles are uh, they easily main event. You could you could argue at times it's it's just as important as the main singles title. And they've uh, recently introduced over the last year the Fantastice title. That is their version of the white belt these days. And there this this title's gimmick is outstanding. Whomever holds the title has like carte blanche on the rules for the title. So Risa Sarah is the first champion, and anytime she defends this title, it's going to be a death match. So now it's in its current form; it's a death match title. <laughs> wow! So the recent, the the most recent defense was Risa Sarah against Rina Yamashita in a light tube death match. So if you're into just, if you, oh yeah, I see your eyes uh, getting raised there. The 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 yeah. this they are doing things that no other Joshi promotion uh, is doing. They create themselves a nice uniqueness to a lot of the other promotions. So if you notice something about all three of these promotions, Stardom, it's your work rate promotion. Great storytelling, great booking. You got Tokyo Joshi Pro. It's got good booking. 
It's got uh, a great financial backing, nice stability, uh, more character-based. And Ice Ribbon, I think, is more, it's got more variety to it. It's got star power. It's got a DIY promotion that you can really uh, uh, get behind, you know, get behind the little guys kind of mentality. It's like no one wants to root for the Lakers all the time. Maybe you want to root for the Utah Jazz. Root for the small market. <laughs> no, I gotta slip my Utah Jazz reference. I know you do. Yeah, know. as as a San Antonio Spurs fan, I can appreciate that. You know, <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> so, um, as we kind of wind down things here on this uh, uh, Joshi Primer, um, so obviously people who are you know WWE fans or AEW fans, even you're, you're going to know names like. Asuka, like uh, Io Shirai, like uh, Kairi Sane, like Hikaru Shida. But uh, I guess who should people be looking to now in Joshi Wrestling? If, if you're like, hey, you know, uh, you know, I've got a feeling that, you know, this star here in this promotion is going to, you know, come to the West. Or, hey, we should really be paying attention to this uh, this star here in this promotion. I oh, just get, you've, get, you've unleashed quite the topic here. Yes. <laughs> get, get, give me some names, fellas. I'll, I'll start with JPQ. Who should we be paying attention to right now in Joshi wrestling? Yeah. So first and foremost, I'm just going to, um, I'm going to go with Mio Momono from Marvelous. Uh, I think as far as work rate goes and the next up and comer to kind of really, begin to steal the show from a lot of different people out there. I think it's Mio Momono. She's 23 years old. She's been wrestling forever. She's only 4'11". Uh, she's got this high speedness to her, but she's got this tenacity uh, to her. When she wrestles, she wrestles, you know, a thousand percent. She would run through a brick wall. And in a lot of instances, depending on who she's wrestling, she is, right? And she's got this huge um, match coming up against the Sendai champion, Chihiro uh, Hashimoto. And it's David versus Goliath in a lot of ways. And whether she wins or she doesn't, you know, we'll, we'll find that out tomorrow, right? The 11th, right, is when the, when the match is. Um, that's coming up. It, Marvelous is is uh, a promotion that's run by Chigusa Nagayo. And it is, and she's just an absolute legend. She's probably the most famous of all Joshi wrestlers. Um, she, from a technical perspective, when she wrestled, she was... Uh, the best, right? In a lot of ways, she was the absolute best. She was the wrestler, right, of of yeah. the late 80s, early 90s. In my opinion, JD, yeah. damn it. Eh. <laughs> um, but I liked her. I liked her a lot. Anyway, my point definitely is, is that... Definitely the most popular. I can't Certainly argue the most popular. Certainly Nobody can popular. argue that. That's impossible. Yeah, you meet impossible. someone who argues Chigusa Nagayo wasn't the most over, they don't know what they're talking about. Right, no. She is certainly she certainly is the most over wrestler uh, of Joshi of all time. Um... But she's got she's got a nice little roster going, right? Um, Mio Momono being the one that I think is going to be the breakout soon enough. Rin Katakura, who's on the precipice of becoming the next main eventer for Marvelous, um, they do they have a partnership with Stardom, so you can go back and see a little bit of their matches uh, in Stardom if you have um, Stardom Dash World. But Marvelous is a nice little. I let, I'm very endearing when I say this because some people take this the wrong way. But as far as indie promotions go in Joshi. Uh, kind of more of that stripped down presentation, focus more on the technical aspect of wrestling, uh, basic storytelling, things of that nature. I think Marvelous does it more consistently uh, better than everybody else. And I put a lot of that on uh, their younger wrestlers in a lot of ways, right? Mio Momono, uh, May, 
Um, oh, I always get her. I always say her name wrong. Oshizuki. Oshizuki. Thank you. Uh, as well as Rin well. Katakura. They have a nice core that they're building around for the future, uh, as well as complementary pieces uh, on a 12 person roster. Um, I would say keep a keep an eye out for her. Uh, on top of that, I would tell you that um, Actress Girls has Miyuki um, um, Takase, and she's very, very impressive. In fact, we saw Rin Katakura versus Takase in the uh, um, um, Catch the Wave final, um, and that was a nice banger of a match. And what you saw there was um, uh, two women in their mid-20s who are looking to break out, right? And whether they get that opportunity or don't get that opportunity – uh, it's really depending on the booking of their respective promotions. However, the talent is there, and you can see that from a draw perspective, that provided that the um, intent and ambition um, stays high with both of them, that their ceiling is very high from what they're able to do uh, within the within the rope. So uh, a lot of good things coming out of the Joshi quote-unquote independent scene, which, again, probably not the best way to put it, but uh, Rin Katakura... Uh, uh, Takase and Neo Momono are people on the come up that people really should be paying attention to because that's the next crop of strong, strong talent working its way up the Joshi scene. Sweet. And, and I got to make a, a side note here because it's been an absolute treat watching the reactions between both you and JD as the other <laughs> says something to see if it's valid or not. This, is, this has been actually wonderful for those wanting a visual at home. Um, so J- JD, would you generally agree with JPQ here or, or are there things that maybe you would switch up and say, Hey, no, you know, you should be looking at these people here. Well, I mean, this is, this is a cheap plug here and I'm not afraid of cheap plugs because, uh, <laughs> like I, like I said at the, the top of the podcast is Red Leaf Retrocast and our Patreon is, is so dedicated to bringing a, a, a perspective of, of a business side into uh into especially joshi wrestling it's very it's a very under talked topic because for so long uh there was no money involved it was in just the doldrums uh Mm. promotions coming and going out of business and we really broke and we really break down and learn uh booking blueprints lack of booking uh card making uh stars just not being made uh, uh, veterans just never putting young talent over what JPQ is saying with from talent perspective, the Joshi scene is incredible. Mio Momono, Miyuki Takase uh, are for uh, Venny, Oscar Venny. Huge. Uh, like these three are, are you just know they're on the verge of a breakout. Right. Uh, but with Joshi wrestling's history, I, I'll just kind of leave it at that. You, you really, you really want to see these wrestlers succeed. And, with uh, stardom and Tokyo Joshi Pro, and then AEW with its Tokyo Joshi Pro connection, you you really feel that these two promotions are the are the ones to pay attention to. And Ice Ribbon, just in its own right, uh, with with its limited with its limit own limitations, uh, you want to pay attention to the wrestlers in those promotions and who you want to see end up in those promotions. Hate to say it, but uh, you know I, I like Marvelous's roster, but th- there's an inherent ceiling to the star power and the booking blueprints of these promotions. Uh, Chihiro Hashimoto, uh, she's she's a tremendous talent over in Sendai Girls. Much harder promotion to get into, much harder promotion to sink your teeth into. There, there, there needs to be a realization of what these promotions are capable of bringing for investment in a, over a long period of time in a month-to-month basis. 
uh, will there, will like, I, I'm an indie wrestling fan. I like beyond wrestling. Uh, I, I, I go to limitless in Maine a lot. There is a ceiling to what, what star power these wrestlers have. And you just, you really want to see the wrestlers graduate from beyond and end up in like an AEW or even a WWE. You want to see these wrestlers get, get bigger and better, stronger, faster. Uh, mm-hmm. with, with Mio Momono, for my fandom, I'd love to see her in stardom because I, I think there's just an inherent ceiling to what Marvelous is capable of. And I, I think we can all agree uh, to that at the very least. Is she someone to pay attention to? A hundred percent. Go out of your way to watch a high, uh, a high profile, I'll put that in quotes, match. Chihiro Hashimoto versus Mio Momono is coming up uh, tomorrow in Sendai Girls. That's probably one of the bigger independent women's wrestling uh, matches that you'll see now whether outside the vacuum that means to big business being drawn and whatnot we'll save that for another conversation listen to red league retrocast for that kind of content uh but should you absolutely pay attention to a match like that of course that's going to be a, a great match no doubt in my mind jpq is probably going to watch it tomorrow or when he gets his hands on it and finds the time absolutely oh Takase and Oscar Veni, uh, Oscar Veni's current seedling, seed ring champion. Uh, I'll leave my opinions over that promotion to the side for now, but that she's going to be defending against Ryu Mizunami coming up uh, in the semi-main event, uh, despite that being a title match. Um, <laughs> but Ryu Mizunami, we saw her in AEW and probably might see her more in the future. Uh, she cut a lot of her teeth in, in Wave and Ice Ribbon. Riho comes from Ice Ribbon. Emi Sakura started Ice Ribbon. She's the founder. Uh, when you get on the ground floor, a lot of these promotions, and then you see them graduate and, and maybe move on uh, to a stardom or a TJPW, you'll just see their, their growth and star power grow with them. Uh, I really like the names JPQ throughout there. I'll throw out Chihiro Ashimoto and Ryo Mizunami as some other names to pay attention to. Yeah, and if I can just hop in here real quick, and just so I can go seedling, 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 seedling to to JD. Um, don't, don't infuriate me. <laughs> I'm gonna go Arisa Nakajima as well. Um, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. You yeah talk yeah, about yeah. a class act uh, in her 30s, crushing it. Uh, she's on the level, and when I say this, I mean from a prestige perspective, in my opinion. Right now, uh, it, uh, JD mentioned before, like a, a Sukasa Fujimoto, right? And and there's a couple people out there that'll tell you that Sukasa Fujimoto is the uh, is better than your favorite wrestler. Right. And she is in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Arisa Nakajima, where I'm not going to say she's you know the best wrestler in the world and that she's in, to the level of Sukasa Fujimoto, but she's considered to be part of that elite tier. Right. In mm-hmm. a lot of ways. I right. Agree. Not just from running, but just her overall skill sets and, and everything that, you know, that five tool player that we talk about in professional wrestling. She mm-hmm. hits all those check boxes. So Arisa Nakajima, you don't see a tremendous amount of her because Seedling only runs, you know, anywhere between. 25 to 30 times a year before the pandemic. And they're starting to get back to a little bit more consistency after the pandemic. But uh, Arisa Nakajima is as good as anybody going right now in a lot of ways. Um, Tsukasa obviously still much, much better. But, uh, you know, <laughs> she's she's elite tier for sure. Oh, sweet. Uh, I mean, I've, I've had to take so many notes here on my phone of like, OK, I have to check out this. And now I'm going to look into this. So this has been uh, definitely a rev- uh, uh, Re- revelation yeah i think that's yeah that's the right word there it's been a revelation there you go. uh get, getting to uh to hear all this here as as an outsider uh, kind of you know getting this 
uh, again, primer, as we've used the word here, uh, into Joshi wrestling. Um, JD, you've done an excellent job at, at, at the, uh, the the plugs here. So, uh, what is Red Leaf Retrocast for those who are uninitiated? Where can they find? Where can our listeners find more of you and your content? So, Red Leaf Retrocast is a modern and retro wrestling, gaming, and anime podcast. Uh, we do a lot, a lot of content. Uh, everything comes out weekly uh, on a bi-weekly release schedule. If that makes sense. So we make mm-hmm. sure there's at least one episode every week from from uh, one of those three contents. And then we got a Patreon, which uh, covers a lot of historical stuff. Uh, my my partner in crime, Kay, he does JD Star, which is a Joshi promotion from 2001 that's now defunct. I started a journey of covering episodes monthly of LLPW, uh, Legend Ladies Pro Wrestling, which is an almost shoot women's promotion from the early 90s. Uh, I do a lot. Of, I've been doing a lot of Starcade reviews, kind of filling that gap in, in history, uh, maybe uh, going into a lot of uh, historical stuff of NWA and WCW, uh, Red Leaf Retrocast wrestling content. Since this is a wrestling one, we cover seven promotions every single episode AEW, New Japan. Dragon Gate DDT. There's your men's. Every single episode, we go into Stardom, Tokyo Joshi Pro, and Ice Ribbon. No other wrestling podcast does anything like that on a per-episode basis, especially from the Joshi scene. We cover three promotions, and then we have a recommended section where we get into a lot of the indies. So on the next episode, you're going to find Catch the Wave. You're going to find Actress Girls. You might even find some Oz Academy and Seedling. Who knows what you might who who knows what you might get, but that's for that section of the podcast. And then we got a retro section that back ends every podcast that does all Japan women from the 90s. We've reached the 90s. We've we've gone through the 80s. Now we're in the 90s. This is when the Dave Meltzer five-star stuff started going crazy. <laughs> this is what probably a lot of people are familiar with. So do we do all Japan women, one of the more famous Joshi promotions of all time. Uh, followed up with New Japan from the 90s. And then we back end it with WCW. We're in 1999 currently. And you want to talk about feeling despair? That is a failing promotion. And we have a lot of fun just <laughs> going to town on that sucker. That is that is some bad times. So we got a lot of content. And everything includes timestamps in the description. So if you just want to listen to stardom be covered in every episode, we got a timestamp. You can just go straight to it. And that's what it's for. I don't expect everyone to listen to all three to four hours of this thing. Just Pop into what you want to listen to, what interests you. Try something out. That's what I encourage. And hey, what our Patreon is really primed for is our Joshi 2010s journey. This is a journey through the 2010s over when Joshi Wrestling came out of that dark age and is slowly growing up. What promotions start cropping up and growing business-wise and creating stars. A lot of stars you see today in your promotions, your Io Shirai, your Riho, your Hikaru Shida, all started getting their star power in the early 2010s, and we're just going through it. Uh, that's a dollar fifty. And if you don't want to help us out, Kay's Big Egg Joshi podcast those release later for free over on his because this is a a period of time that needs to be covered historically covered. And we even put out some uh, some videos on the Daily Motion page <laughs> so we we don't get crapped on uh, of key matches from these eras. So you can go over that. That's Redley Pretrick has Daily Motion. So this is all. If if you want your women's wrestling content, we're your place. Sweet. And and, and I remember participating in the in a WCW review. 
I'm so sorry uh, I did that to you. <laughs> <laughs> I was part of one of those too. <laughs> it is it is a very good time. So if you yourself are a content creator and you despise WCW, uh, hit up JD, and uh, I'm sure he can help hook you up with some good times uh, over on. Don't Red you, don't, yeah. don't you forget it, Tanner. I'm going to hook you up with some ice ribbon matches here after this. Ooh, I am I'm looking forward to it because I've got nothing to do but edit today, and I need something to watch. So I'm I'm very excited. Uh, JPQ, you are retired, semi-retired. I, I mean, are, what 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 you got going on, man? I got I got nothing but wrestling. Um, it's it's been fun in that regard, right? So a lot of uh, you know, leaving the content creatorship world was um because of time uh time for I didn't have the time, right? Uh, still Too really busy don't. pumping out kids and repopulating the planet. Pretty much. And so, you know, still running that pretty good, but it has allowed me to kind of venture in to um, to different promotions and kind of yeah, realign my focuses with what I enjoy about wrestling instead of looking at it um, in a way that I used to. So, you know, I'll spend this quick time plugging the Joshi promotions uh, that we're talking about. So, you know, obviously best in class uh, in a lot of ways. We're talking about stardom with presentation and uh depth within the roster and overall work rate and things of that nature there's a lot uh from starting i use stardom as the gateway into joshi for a reason accessibility presentation match quality depth of roster best in cl- uh, best in class in a lot of ways with stardom tjpw a lot checks a lot of those boxes with regards to accessibility as well as um they it's a fun promotion that focuses a lot on in ring or uh, on a lot of storytelling and a lot of character work uh, and not so much, although definitely improving on the in-ring side. So if you fancy more of that, TJPW is something worth checking out. If you're uh, a fan of best in the world, as well as variety in your shows, Ice Ribbon is is somewhere uh, that you want to kind of make your home because from a co-main main event perspective, it doesn't get much better on a more consistent basis than those two, uh, than, than Ice Ribbon. But there's a tremendous amount. Of, I will uh, interrupt you for a second, JPQ. Ahead. If anyone listening uh, wants to hit us all up on Twitter to get further into Ice Ribbon, don't hesitate to ask any of us, and yes. we'll uh, we'll guide you along. Yeah, we'll push you in the right. More than willing to help sure. out. Yeah, and then you got your Joshi Indies, and again, to, not to take up too much time, but you got Seedling. So if you're a fan of you know Arisa Nakajima, if you've seen Asuka Veni on 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 Twitter, and you're interested more in, in what she's doing, if uh, you know, you if you're a fan of uh, Nane Takahashi from back in the day, Seedling something worth checking out. And I'll tell you from an accessibility perspective, SeedlingLive.com is one of the easier pay-per-view services to buy through, uh, to, knowing that you're going to be buying through a Japanese satellite, right? And so there's a, a they're more uh, linear with how you can um, purchase their shows and watch their shows. Uh, Actress girls is on Nico Pro, and they're doing some really interesting thing with different um, two different rosters, two different championships, and two different styles going at the same time, so that's definitely something worth checking out. Got to Move is on YouTube. Uh, that's Emmy's promotion, and that's just tremendous fun, and that's something completely different than anything anybody's doing right now. Pro Wrestling Wave has like five people, and it has the, the legend uh, Sakura Hirota, who is just a comedy genius, so if you like more of the uh, fun type of wrestling with funny spots and cosplay and things like that. You know, Wave's definitely something worth investing your time into. Marvelous is, in my opinion, the most polished of all these independent uh, Joshi promotions. It's a little more stripped down. Uh, the wrestlers uh, are definitely on the come up, but you see the progressions and you see the next up 
um, in a lot of places, uh, in a lot of ways in, in Marvelous. And then you've got uh, Oz Academy, which if you're a fan of Ozaki or you're a fan of that Oedo Tai type of style where it's just a match that begins and then it just becomes a cluster right off the bat where everybody just beats the living crap out of each other for 40 minutes and then nothing really formulates with regards to storyline. Oz Academy's for you. And then Sendai Girls is kind of coming back, right? And people know Sendai from IWTV. Maybe you were a Shakara fan back in the day, you know, and, and you got uh, a little bit of FaceTime in front of Sendai Girls. Um, they're kind of in this new phase now that Mako's kind of moving on to NXT UK. And so the big question with Sendai is going to be, are we going to finally begin to see the investment into their roster to see these people begin to progress and become draws and make money? Or is it going to be a lot of the same kind of complacency that we saw when Mako was leading the charge the last 15 years? Now, that's not a knock, right? Because the fact that they've been in business this long is a win. But are we going to begin to see kind of those reins um, loosening a bit and letting some of her talent flourish? You know, that's kind of the new era of Sendai Girls that we're in. So exciting time for them as well. Uh, each and every one of these promotions brings something different for uh, different fandoms out there. So, you know, if you're new to Joshi, if you're intimidated by Joshi, there's a good community uh, out there to help support uh, whatever you like and guide you in the right direction if you're willing to ask. So be brave out there, everybody. Absolutely. And and, and if they wanted to approach you about said conversation, what, what would be the easiest means of getting in touch with you? On Twitter, Epic Pause on a Pup. There you go. And of course, uh, uh, JD's at Bowling JD on Twitter. Definitely Very hit easy. him up. Or Redley yeah. Prettercast, either or search. You can easily find me. Uh, DMs are open. Don't hesitate. Mm-hmm. More than willing to help. There's also uh, Blue underscore Kano. He's more than willing to help out as well. Uh, he's my partner in crime, as I mentioned before. His name's Kay. Uh, he does the Big Egg Joshi podcast, a big podcast out there uh, to plug as well. He's more than willing to help out. Actress Girls is his favorite promotion out there next to ice ribbon as well uh he's 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 got a good reputation out there of helping any number of fans just trying to get into joshi wrestling well fellas uh first off i can't thank you enough for joining me today and 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 us having this conversation because you've truly enlightened me on on a subject that i'm i'll be honest i'm just not that good at and so this was this was a nice turn of pace for me to get schooled on something that Again, I, I I have struggled with previously in trying to get into, and I think that you've made it not only easier for me, but for a lot of folks out there who've never uh, ventured into Joshi wrestling uh, to, to go ahead and do so, because it is a fascinating community. It, it is a fascinating, um, you know, I, I guess, section, subsection of wrestling to get into, um, and, and a lot of high-quality matches for sure. The, the more that uh, companies like Stardom, Tokyo Joshi Pro, and, and, and Ice Ribbon have progressed over the years. And the more that I see about it on my timeline on Twitter, I'm like, I got I to gotta find a way to get back into this somehow <laughs> and figure it out, you know. Um, but it's been an honor and a pleasure. Uh, obviously, JPQ, you and I have known each other for years yeah. um, at, at this point. And so I appreciate you as a mentor and uh, and, and both of you as, as contemporaries uh, as I you know put headlock talk in the rearview mirror. Um, but uh, I want to thank you guys again for tuning in. Uh, you guys can hit us up on Twitter at Headlock Talk if you have any questions about this episode. Obviously, if you're listening to this on the stream uh, and if you haven't subscribed, I mean, uh, go ahead and subscribe, I guess, if you want to. That way, so you can always have the episodes. Um, if you're listening to this on Love Wrestling, make sure you subscribe to Love Wrestling. Everybody over there is awesome. Uh, so you should make sure to hit that up 
as well. And uh, go, go check out the content uh, if you can find it by, by these two gentlemen. Uh, they're, they're absolutely awesome. Uh, so everybody, y'all take care. Be safe out there. Know that I love you. And have yourselves a great rest of your day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.